Blog Talk Radio. This program has been made possible by Weatherby Asset Management. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest. Weatherby Asset Management is dedicated to providing exceptional wealth management services by forming partnerships built on trust, understanding, and thoughtful advice. For more than 20 years, they've been offering objective perspective, personalized planning, and sophisticated investment management to individual investors and families, as well as pension plans, foundations, and endowments. Contact them at www.weatherby.com. Weatherby Asset Management, located in San Francisco and New York City. Welcome to this special edition of Wealth Psychology. I'm Sylvia Global, where we're going to have a special treat. We're going to be speaking with the founder of Sylvia Global Media, Gail Sylvia Pullen, as she is in an airport and getting ready to board a plane for Sacramento, where she has unexpectedly been asked to speak to the state assembly. I'm so excited to find out what that's about. So we're going to be having a brief conversation with her about the upcoming event that Sylvia Global Media is hosting today, March 19th, at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, and this is on women, spirituality, and transformative leadership. We're really excited to have a conversation about this. I'll give you a little bit of background about it. First, if you're tuning in for the first time, this Wealth Psychology Show is uh, something that Jamie Traker Muni, uh, Ph.D. in psychology and my business partner in, uh, I guess she's halfway between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv in Israel, and I started, oh gosh, we should probably look at our initial date. My name is Emily Bouchard. I am uh, MSW with a degree in child development as well and a background in marital and family therapy, and we are passionate about doing whatever we can to support people in having uh, fulfilled thriving lives, especially when there is significant wealth in their lives. Jamie has a specialty in wealth psychology, and I have a certification as a money coach, and have worked with uh, ultra-high net worth families. We both have Jamie within Well Fargo for a year, um, developing a whole program on wealth, worth, and fulfillment. And I've worked since 2004 with families with uh, $25 million or more in assets, looking on how to successfully transfer wealth from one generation to the next. And we really are passionate about changing the whole cultural conversation around money and wealth because it's created a lot of pain in a lot of people's lives, no matter how much money they have. And it has everything to do with how we think about it, how we talk about it, how we feel about it. And our specialty is in the realm of the emotional impact of wealth in people's lives. So today's conversation is really exciting to us because one of the pieces that gets missed a lot is the interplay between the physical world, which, of course, money has a big part in, and our physical beings, our bodies, um, our emotional world how we feel about what we're interacting with and what we're interfacing with, and our intellectual world, so how we think about things, how we uh, perceive things, and then our spiritual world. And that four-point model is the key to looking at life in a holistic way. And when you don't include the spiritual piece, you're missing an extraordinarily important component of it. And they all are at interplay. And we're going to be speaking about uh, the emotional side of the spiritual side and how all of these interplay together in terms of leadership. And uh, Gail, Sylvia, and I had a chance to speak a little bit about this program. I want to talk to you a little bit about it before she can join us. This was inspired by the author and founding member of Women of Spirit and Faith. And her name is uh, Kathy Schaaf, and she wrote a book, it's an uh, anthology. It's called Women's Spirituality and um, Transformative Leadership. And she is quite a remarkable person. She's a TEDx presenter, and she, uh, her organization on women, women of spirit and faith, is uh, has an intention of exploring, nurturing, and celebrating women's spiritual leadership. 
She's one of the integral founders of Gather the Women and has anchored numerous collaborative conversations connecting women and women's organizations internationally, including several international Gather the Women congresses, transpartisan dialogues for women and Constellations of Hope in November 2008, which brought together representatives of 40 North American women's organizations. She served on the Board of Trustees of the Council for Parliament of the World's Religion, where she co-chairs the Women's Task Force, and she is one of the editors of Women's Spirituality and Transformative Leadership, where Grace Needs Power, an anthology of women's wisdom published by Skylight Path in November 2011. I can't wait to find out about her inspiration, what had her write this book, how she's brought these different things together, and she is going to be on this uh, transformative leadership uh, global discussion that we're going to be having here at 1 o'clock today, March 19th. And then we also are going to learn a little bit about uh, Hyphen N. She's an MBA and CPA and MDIV founder and executive director of the Korean Churches of Community Development. And uh, she helps ensure that immigrants do not feel excluded or isolated as they did growing up. She founded the Korean Churches for Community Development, serving as a bridge between Korean Americans and the community at large. 75% of the Korean community is connected to a church. She's frequently an invited speaker at conferences sponsored by such groups as the Christian Community Development Association and National Council of Korean Southern Baptist Churches, the Federal Home Loan Bank of San Francisco, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, Asian Americans for Equality, and the Southern California Conference of AME Churches. She has also been featured in many interviews with CNN, Los Angeles Times, Washington Post, and other media, including Korean media. Most recently, she completed a research study that focused on Korean American churches and domestic violence. Wow, that's going to be powerful to learn about. And I had just gotten a text from Sylvia, Gail Sylvia, who is at the airport. She's just gotten through security, so we'll be having her um, shortly. And she is uh, looking at getting a quiet place to be able to join us. So she will be hopefully connecting with us soon. And she may be instructing me on how to make that happen because this is very early in the morning. This is unusual. This is not a live show. We are taping this and we are learning as we go. So bear with us as we do the technical pieces of the show. Uh, and what I want to say about this uh, this global discussion on women's spirituality and transformative leadership where grace meets power, women as spiritual beings and faith as a leadership Uh we are really looking at how these two interface, leadership and spirituality. And here's a quote. The world is in crisis, and it seems that many are looking to women to heal the planet and our human family. Before women can step into our full potential as leaders and guides in the moment, we must individually reconnect with our deepest wisdom and with our spiritual roots collectively heal the many dimensions of separation that keep us fragmented and ineffective as agents of social change and globally reclaim our rightful place as spiritual leaders in the service of balanced and compassionate new paradigm. And, you know, what that says to me is everything about how we need to shift what we've been doing. This is no longer business as usual. And one of the key components of that is that we often have separated out our business lives, our personas out in the world with our spiritual selves, our spiritual lives and what really matters to us. When the reality is why we lead, why we're out there trying to make a difference, often, I mean, a huge amount of the time has a strong spiritual component to it and a belief system and faith that has everything to do with how to be successful in the world, how to show up as somebody who can be confident, with somebody who can really make a difference. Because when we're out there against the odds, when we're out there striving to somehow make a difference in the midst of a lot of obstacles and a lot coming at us, 
if we don't have a strong, firm, foundational belief in faith and our humanity and ourselves in something much bigger than us, it can make it really almost, almost completely impossible that you would be able to in any way step out fully and to the fullest of your greatness and be able to truly make a difference in whatever degree you can. Because it would just be too discouraging, honestly, in my opinion. I look forward to hearing about how other women have approached this, where they've had crises of faith, maybe, where their spirituality has pulled them through challenging times and made it so that that had them come forward as strong leaders. And we often hear stories about that. We hear stories of women who have faced adversity, who have been challenged, their faith may have been really shaken, and something got them through, something even bigger than everything that was negative coming at them uh, could have possibly lifted. And it's knowing that we're connected to something bigger than ourselves. And, you know, research has shown that even though there are world religions all over the world, different walks of life believing in different gods, different goddesses, not believing in a particular religion at all. Those people who have a spiritual aspect to their lives have very, very similar underlying core beliefs and faith. And women tend to approach things from a much more collective, collaborative, feminine perspective, and this doesn't mean that men don't have it. It's just a tendency that women tend to uh, more naturally act now. And this is about looking at how to collectively bring together all of the uh, places where we can stand firm and together and tall on what are the foundational components of our spiritual beliefs, no matter what religions we come from. And this show is actually a great example of that. Uh, Gail Sylvia Poland has a very strong belief in God and uh, has a Christian background that is um, really quite beautiful and very personal as well, her connection to, to the Holy Spirit, to uh, what moves her spiritually. And I look forward to being able to talk to her about that specifically. And um, she's still trying to find a quiet place. <laughs> Just texted me. And, and here... Jamie Trigger Muni, Dr. Jamie Trigger Muni, wealth psychologist, my business partner, uh, is living in Israel in the heart of the biggest I don't know, spiritual crisis on the planet, if you could think about it, because of two world religions that have a lot in common in terms of how they started and what the foundations were of their beliefs at the very beginning, and are now you know embroiled in the worst religious battle, you know, that's just been raging way too long. And Jamie moved there because her husband, from the time they met when they were in Israel on a leadership program there, uh, has been very passionate about what's happening in that region and seeing what he could do to promote peace in that region and help to shift this tide and really stem it. And uh, Jamie saw that it was really important to walk her talk and to allow the the money and the wealth that's in their lives in so many ways to fuel their goals. And while she was living her dream and fulfilling her goals as a wealth psychologist, the first in-house wealth psychologist at a major financial institution hired specifically to work directly with clients. It was a very big opportunity and honor, and she was thrilled to be working at Wells Fargo she saw that her husband was becoming less and less satisfied living here because he had put off his best desire and dreams for over 15 years while she got her PhD and they began to raise their family and they got really involved in their lives here in the States. And they started having a dialogue about, well, what is it that would make him happy and what's his passion and all of Jamie's work and our work at Wealth Legacy Group is about that. Uh, really supporting people and knowing what it is that they care about, living from their passionate hearts, going forward and full out leadership and uh, trust and faith as they go forward towards what it is that they care about and what they want to do in the world and how they want to make a difference. And she saw that she wasn't giving the space for her husband to have that. So they chose to uh, move and go to Israel and check it out for a couple of years and to see what they could do to 
make it uh, possible to live there. They had two small children, 10 and 12, and she uh, she took that risk. She said, I want to do this. I want to give him the support he needs. I believe in what he believes in. They met in Israel. They both have a strong Jewish faith. And um, they went. They tried it out for two years. They started thriving there. Their uh, children started thriving. And they thought, wow, this is really exactly where we're supposed to be. And their uh, lives have been really transformed. And as many of you know who've listened to the show, Janie is now battling breast cancer. And it was quite remarkable to find out that some of the most state-of-the-art breast cancer treatment facilities and modalities are in Israel. And she felt really blessed to be there, to have her treatments there, and has an incredible community of support there, too. So they, they're they in Israel doing what they love from a Jewish standpoint to try and do what they can to bring community and some harmony into that region. And I'm here in the States. My name is Emily, and I'm the managing partner of Wealth Psychology and Wealth Legacy Group. And I became part of the firm when Jamie decided to move to continue to bring forward this work in a big way while she was in that transition and to partner together so that she had, you know, a partner in the States and a way to, you know, continue to come back and have incredible work to do when she does come back to the States while also building the global presence that we have, working with people on the emotional impact of wealth. And I'm from a Jewish family and a Christian family. So my mother grew up Protestant and my father was Jewish. Uh, His family were Russian immigrants. They got out before the Holocaust, and all of their family members that didn't leave Russia are gone, killed in the Holocaust. And there's a very strong uh, faith in humanity in my family and in what can still be good in the face of all that is not good in the world. And so when my parents fell in love and wed, it was this blending of two very different families, very different faiths. And I grew up, uh, I would say, with the best of both where my uh, my mother's side, we would go for holidays, we'd go for Christmas, we'd go for Easter, which is coming up. And I have wonderful memories of being with my uh, my that side of my family during those, those wonderful holidays. It was very much centered around family values, um, what it is that we care the most about each other, lots of good food, and nourishing our hearts and our bodies and um, our spirits with each other. And then I would go to Passover and the uh, high holidays with my father's family and have a wonderful time uh, learning about the, the Jewish way of interfacing with the world. And again, a strong focus on family and uh, what it is to make a difference and how it is to look at outside yourself and see how you can make the world a better place no matter what you can during your life, not knowing what's on the other side. And what's interesting to me when I look at it is uh, Jamie and Gail Sylvia both have very strong uh, faith in their religion. Uh, Jamie and her husband keep kosher in their home. Um, they you know, very strong uh, religious ties. And because of how I was brought up, while well, I was brought up with a lot of exposure to two different uh worldviews and religion, I was really steeped in the faith in humanity more than anything else and what we can do to raise up humanity and, and um, not so much of a spiritual faith, not so much of a spiritual background at all. And uh, when my mother died really unexpectedly when I was 14, she had a cerebral hemorrhage uh, aneurysm burst. Um, there wasn't any place I could turn to in my life for spiritual support. I I had a tremendous amount of love and um, grief in my family and a lot of ways of connecting around that, but I started really seeking. I started asking questions, and I um, I was at a confirmation class at the synagogue that we, we joined in Houston when we moved there, and I asked a lot of questions, and my rabbi couldn't answer them, and he said, you know, I think we're going to, give you a scholarship and send you to this uh, camp that we have up in upstate New York that we know about uh, where you can ask these questions to a lot of other rabbis. And I went to the camp and it was an incredible experience. It was up in the Adirondack Mountains and it was beautiful and I got to meet 
kids that were Jewish from all over the world and we were all teenagers and coming of age and having a great time and, you know, got to experience a kind of an awakening of who I was as a, a budding young woman. And it was really fun that I didn't get my spiritual questions answered. It was really interesting. I understood more about the Jewish perspective on my death and and um, it was really wonderful for me, and I really kind of broadened my horizon in terms of what life would look like and how people related to the world. And I think it started my class seriously for what was really going to speak to my heart in terms of how I wanted to be in the world. And it took me a while to realize when I come full circle, I came to my mother and uh, really what she lived by, her credo, and it was the golden rule. And to do unto others as you have them do unto you. And I've since come to learn about that rule from a different perspective that's made an even bigger difference in my life, which is doing unto others as you as they would have them do unto them. So as opposed to projecting and putting on somebody else what I think they would want because it's what I would want and knowing it from that perspective, it was opening up my heart and my beliefs and my faith into getting connected to another person to a degree where I can learn how they want to be treated and what they prefer and what they would love. And then looking at how I can possibly meet them there. And if I couldn't, to really look at that within myself and see what I needed to clear within me so that I could be more fully present to the, the person in front of me. And... There's so much about that because when we are in a place of uh, how we're connected, whether it's to another human being or to a cause or to ourselves, we then become connected to a much greater web, a, a web of how we're all the same, how we all have the same fears and the same worries and the same anxieties that drive everybody who's human. And we all have different ways of approaching it, all kinds of different coping strategies, adapted behaviors. And if we can peel back those layers, and as Jamie loves to say, the uh, layers of an artichoke, because um, we get to the heart of the matter, and maybe they're a little bit tough, and maybe there's not a lot of sweetness on those, but boy, when you take the time to peel each one of those back, you get to something really, really sweet and tender and juicy. And oftentimes it takes drawing on a spiritual faith of knowing that there's something else there that when we draw on that allows us to to go through the tougher times, the harder times, the things that are challenging. And um, we are going to be joined by Gail Sylvia who's gotten to a quieter place and she's going to be able to join us even just for a short period of time before she gets on her plane so we can speak about her perspective on women's spirituality and transformative leadership. Gail, Sylvia, are you with us? Oh, I guess she'll let me know when she's here. And one of the things that I love about this show is that we can get very personal, very vulnerable and real about our own stories. And we have clients that allow us to share their stories with the hope that maybe it will inspire other people to uh, live from their fullest, and really what it is that matters to them. And I don't know of a topic that's more vulnerable than our spirituality, especially in Western culture where we've done such a extraordinary job of separating out, quote-unquote, church and state. And for some reason we interpreted that to mean that we had to uh, take spirituality out of the equation and out of the conversation. And this is really thrilling because one thing that Gail Sylvia has told me is that since they put out... Uh, just a very simple flyer that they emailed to their network of about, I don't know how many people we have on the network now. I know we have over 3,000 likes on Facebook, but I know that doesn't even come close to our listener base. There's been an outpouring of interest. Within 24 hours, uh, Sylvia Global Media received over 100 responses and RSVPs from all over the world. And last night, I was talking with Gail Sylvia at 10 o'clock last night, and they were still having outpourings of women asking to participate, asking to be involved, asking to be able to be part of this conversation. And it is extraordinarily important, and we're seeing how vitally important talking about our spiritual 
connection, our connection to something bigger, to what matters to us, what means to us, in a collective, unifying way, is really at the core of a lot of women's hearts as they go forward and they want this conversation. We're hungry for it. And it really is what's going to create even more transformation in the world and change the trajectory that we've been on. Good grief. You know, part of me wants to say, good God, we're ready. We're ready for a difference. We're ready for a change. We can't keep going the way we have been. It's not sustainable. Everybody's talking about it. And part of that is because we've taken our faith and our spiritual uh, foundational component out of the conversation. And it's allowed for a lot of greed to show up and allowing for greater disparity between those that have and those that don't, which tends to fuel a lot of uh, dispassion and rage and apathy and resignation and resentment and uh, hopelessness and despair and uh, righteous indignation. And these are all emotions that can fuel us, but our actions when we come from those places are not going to get results that are going to change what's happening. Those actions are just going to fuel what has already been happening because they invite defensiveness and they also invite aggression and they invite attacks back because they typically come from the place of attacking. And when we bring forward the emotions of compassion and empathy and understanding and care and Uh, reaching for what is the pain over there, what would have somebody be so hurting that they see it's the best and only right way of moving is anger, then transformation can happen. Then we can have a new dialogue. We can start to look at how we're the same and not different. And we're so wired to not like and push against and push away that which is different and keeps us separate that we miss out on so much that is rich and vital and real in our lives, that keeps us connected, that lets us know that we are connected to something so much bigger than who we think we are. And so, you know, as this show is just a half an hour, and Gail Sylvia uh, hopefully will be able to join us before she has to get on the plane. I want to make sure that as you're listening, you get some really great tools and resources. I want to make sure you know that you can tune in uh, by dialing 215-347-6138 at 1 o'clock Pacific time and join this uh, Google Hangout experience and that you're going to be at a live event at 1 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, Sylvia Global Media is putting on a global discussion on women, spirituality, and transformative leadership when grace meets power women as spiritual beings, and faith as leadership, and how to really bring that forward and not be afraid to claim the fullness of who we are as we step out in the world as leaders. And we're going to get to hear from a number of women that are part of the anthology of women, spirituality, and transformative leadership that uh, Kathy Schaaf was one of the editor of and also contributor of, and a number of other women all over the world they're going to be part of this conversation and our evocative questions for you today is where does your spiritual life interface with your leadership perhaps as a philanthropist as a mother as a daughter as a CEO and our inspiring invitation is to take a moment to get quiet and still and listen and see what is speaking to you from your spiritual self this is one of the ways that Gail Sylvia Poland shared with me that she touches into her faith, especially in the midst of uh, unexpected, wonderful invitations like going to speak in front of the assembly today and also tremendous challenges and um, uh, setbacks and how to deal with things on health and, and uh, you know, changes in, in financial uh, resources, uh, employees, uh, all the different things that we need to deal with when we're in leadership positions, uh, family, uh, all the different roles that we have and we, we interface in life. But, uh, 
And then the useful tool we want to offer today is this incredible event that Sylvia Global is putting on, and I'm sure it's going to be recorded as well, on this global discussion on women's spirituality and transformative leadership. And also the book, uh, really learning and reading from stories of so many women from around the world who draw on their spirituality and their faith as they move and take risks and allow their vulnerability to come forward in their work that they do. And she is um, still trying to get on, so we're going to keep going and see what we can do. And I'm going to keep this a live show and see what we can have happen. And I'll um, keep drawing on this conversation as we go. So I want to tell you about another woman that's going to be on this incredible uh, event, and her name is Deborah Lindholm, and she's the founder and executive director of the San Diego Foundation for Women, and she's also a philanthropist, and she's a business leader. And a little bit about her background is that uh, Deborah lived her life supporting a global community where generosity and civic engagement are valued and practiced by all people in service to the common good. She is guided by her spirituality and the power of faith. And Deborah is um, the founder and executive director of the San Diego Foundation for Women, and she has worked vigorously and imaginatively to improve the lives of women with life-threatening homeless women and at-risk youth. Both locally and internationally, she and the Foundation for Women in San Diego have provided women with seed money to begin small businesses through microcredit programs. She describes her work best uh, in the literature for that organization. I met a woman who borrowed $4. She had never seen $4 in her life. She bought a comb, a pair of scissors, and a mirror, and she put her husband in business as a barber. Now she has a home, and her children are in school, all because of $4. If that's not inspiring, I don't know what is. We have so much in our culture in the West And there's so many who have nothing who would be thrilled to get even a little bit. And when we treat them as people who are capable and competent and just looking for an opportunity to to evolve to their next level, then we treat people as human beings not only the way we would want to be treated, but the way that they would want to be treated. And this is really, really different than like just a charity and just writing a check and hoping that your money does good. And and it's something that if you write a check and that's all that you can do right now, yay, thank you for doing that. It's essential. It's so important. And that money hopefully will go and do a lot of good. And we always recommend that you take your values and what matters to you and... Um, there's going to be, oh, here's Sylvia. She's saying she is not able to get on. She's muted for some reason, and she has to board her plane in five minutes. I'm going to ask her to see if she can call in on her telephone. And I, I don't know if she can or not, but She's in here in spirit, which is perfect because it's a spiritual conversation and it's all about like doing what we can to overcome obstacles. And we are going to definitely have this conversation in the future and we're going to make sure that uh, this conversation about faith and spirituality stays alive in all of our conversations. And we're going to also, there was such an outpouring of interest and desire for engagement on this uh this show on this incredible broadcast that they're doing, that a lot of women aren't going to have a chance to be heard, and they have a lot to say. And so when Gail Sylvia and I were speaking yesterday about uh, what we were going to talk about and what this program was going to look like, she made a point of telling me about all these women that are eager and hungry for this conversation, and I made a a, a contract, contract with her and a declaration that 
Jamie and I would be ecstatic to interview these women on our show and make sure that the emotional aspect of wealth and the spiritual aspect of wealth were well represented on our show and see where we could take this conversation even further. And uh, we're ecstatic to see where having a spiritual side to this conversation can really come forward because it's a holistic approach to wealth. You know, so many people think that when we talk about wealth, we're just talking about money and assets and how much is in your bank account. And that's the old approach to wealth that has created a lot of the mess that we've been in financially and economically and around the world because of that. And this show is about a more collective, incredible way of looking at wealth that's much more expansive. And it has to do with everything related to uh, our intellectual capital. What access have we had to education, to uh being able to read and write, to be able to express ourselves through the, the verbal world and communicate, and uh, the social capital. Who are our networks? Who are the people that we know? If we were to lose everything, nothing, no money, nothing in our possible reach at that moment, a fire has burned everything to the ground, who do we have access to that we could turn to for support? That has a lot to do with our wealth. That never goes away unless we don't cultivate those relationships. And there's also the emotional capital. There's the side that, you know, where's our sense of well-being in ourselves? Where's our sense of power and uh, personal volition? Like where I know that when I go in the world, I can make a difference, that, that who I am and how I interact matters. That is the biggest emotional capital we can have because all the money in the world isn't going to get you what you really want if you don't feel seen and heard and that your contribution in the world matters. And that becomes a real crisis of spiritual wealth. And where am I connected to something where I know that there's something bigger and more impactful in the world than I, little me, could ever be? And when I tap into that, I can release my fears and my worries and my doubts and my small anxieties, which seem so huge and big and overwhelming. And they they just can completely burden us. When we have a really strong faith in something bigger than ourselves, it allows us to expand into the wealth and productivity of everything that's out there. That sense of, you know, there's such abundance all around us. And when we tap into that, we are able to really be transformative in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. And one of the best ways to do that is from a place of gratitude. And it's a theme that goes through almost every conversation I have with people that draw on their faith and their spiritual foundation. And it allows us to tap into reverence and gratitude in a big way. And that tends to open up our capacity to be vulnerable, to step into our heart, to connect with another, no matter how angry they are. Um, and I just got a text from Gail Sylvia that she's had to board her plane, and as much as she has tried and put out a lot of effort to be on the show, it looks like she's not going to be able to. And I'm going to just keep going and give us the fullest that we can with this conversation, because it's so important. And this show is dedicated to allowing people to live from their fullest. And to paraphrase Marianne Williamson's quote, when we let our light shine and we let that which is the brightest within us come forward, we automatically give those around us permission to shine their lights. And it is, you know, her quote's really powerful that it, it's our light and not the darkness that frightens us the most. And where we ask, who am I to be powerful and beautiful and, you know, to make a difference? Who am I, little me? And the real question is, oh, my gosh, why and who told me that I shouldn't be? And this is all about seizing what it is that we have and cultivating it to the fullest and being our best selves and tapping into that which allows us to really come from that place. And if this conversation speaks to you, know that the, this event that's happening today at 1 o'clock on 
Soviet Global Media, the broadcast on women's spirituality and transformative leadership, uh, where it's when grace meets power, women as spiritual beings, and faith as leadership. What I want you to know is that there are lots of tools that you can join in on. You can be part of that conversation by, um, let's see, you can just simply call in at 1 o'clock Pacific time here today on March 19th at 215-347-6138. And if for some reason you're unable to join that, you can listen to the recording of it. And then there's also remarkable shows on Sylvia Global Media that you can check out. And one of the things that we talked about yesterday was how Sylvia Global Media looks at how spirituality is part of all the different aspects of what it means to be a leader. And uh, if you go onto the site, there is uh, a whole uh, component of spirituality that the, the wording that's used is space. And then there's also a number of other components that are focused on on the site. So along with our faith being really acknowledged in a very important way, the site also looks at, you know, our leadership and our wealth and uh, even entertainment. Oh, my gosh. Listen to archive shows. Um, Melba Moore talked about her faith when, um, you know, she had such success and she was a Grammy winner and she had her own TV show and she was remarkable and, and then, you know, she had to, like, almost reinvent herself and recreate herself. And then she really, she was strongly on her face during that time. And Randolph Duke, another great archive shows you can listen to him. He has a strong spiritual component to what he talks about. He's safe. Very powerful. And, you know, the more that we get that our spirituality is a driver in our policy-making decisions, in our leadership, and how we use our wealth in our lives. How are we directing it? Where are we putting our philanthropic uh, views and endeavors? All of that is driven by our faith on some level. And we speak a lot about this in our work with clients uh, that are feeling really lost. You know, if you're an inheritor and you have so many choices, you don't even know where to begin, and you feel overwhelmed by what's happening with wealth in your life and not knowing. And we've done a lot of competence around the conversation around the nuts and bolts of money and how to deal with it in practical terms and how to work well with your advisors. And the most important work that we do with inheritors has everything to do with tapping into your values, tapping into what really matters to you, tapping into your core beliefs, your core faith, whatever it is, knowing that that's yours and will never be taken away. And it's for you to express in the world as you feel to, to the fullest. And then the money and the wealth, it becomes a resource, a tool that allows you to fully express it. Much like Jamie and her husband Evan did by moving to Israel. They used their resources to go forward and take a huge leap of faith and move to a different country and a different culture and a different language with two children. And a lot of people go, you know, not just any culture, but a really scary region in the world where there's a lot of unrest. And, you know, there's there's a lot of... Uh, yeah, I I think one show we were dealing with Jamie having to deal with um, you know, bomb shelter stuff and a lot of uncertainty in the region and to take your family and put it at risk for the sake of something bigger is a huge leap of faith. And we're not saying for a moment that anybody should do that. We want you to tap into yourself, your heart, and look at what is your way of expressing your your leadership, whether it's just as a mother, and there's no just, I shouldn't even say that, or just as a CEO, (laughs) whatever your role is as a leader, bringing your fullest to it so that those around you have permission to have their light shine, because that's what's really going to transform this planet and the direction we're in, and how we treat the planet, how we treat each other, and the more that we can come from that place, the more powerful it is for those around us and for ourselves and the more fulfillment we have in our lives. And, you know, I'm just thinking about, I just got back from Canada where I did a retreat for a family uh, with two small children that were uh, 10 and 12, and uh, one of the spouses was an inheritor, and we were looking at, wow, how do we begin to open up this conversation around money and what really matters to us as a family we did a really fun exercise around values and the 
the two daughters got so involved in it and they felt so heard and there was a space where it was okay to take a risk and say what you cared about and what mattered to you and what you really wanted in your family. And, you know, at one point, one of the girls looked up and she said, he said, all right, to share one that I really want us to have, but I don't really see us having. And it was really, it just touched all of our hearts and we got really quiet and looked at it and my parents said, yes, definitely. That's what this is about, is cultivating more of who we want to be. And then she said that she, what she wanted. And it was so, it just touched everybody's hearts so much that she was able to take that risk and say, I want this and I want to see us living it. And then we did a really beautiful exercise that uh, is such a wonderful thing to do as a family, whatever the ages you are, or even if you're just a couple. And it's something that I developed, and it's different than a mission statement. A lot of people talk about mission statements, and those are really valuable. And we often recommend that people come up with their family's mission, uh, you know, just like a company does as a driver for how you uh, move forward in the world. Like, what are we about here for the sake of what are we doing this? And what I found that really is powerful in families, especially with younger children, and especially in blended families, where we're looking at people that are coming together and children have been from prior marriages or prior relationships. And they're, well, who are we together? How are we going to be together when maybe I don't even want to be on this team? One of the things that I I learned from a, a, a wonderful business coach years ago, Blair Singer, who has a company called Sales Dogs, he talked about this code of honor and really drawing from the values of the, for him it was his team in business, and creating a code of honor that really mattered to everybody on that team. And what I've done is, with Blair's permission, is I've transformed that and made it into a code of arms, uh, something that is actually a visual that children really love to have around them and is very meaningful and that families can draw on. And so the exercise that I had the family do was I had them, you know, really uh, look at what their shared values were. And we had a lot of fun looking at ways to do that. And we had some activities on how to do that. And when they came up with their shared values together, we then counted them up and there were eight. And then I said, okay, so the next thing is to draw some sort of picture that represents all eight of these values that's your coat of arms. And in the past, that used to be represented in a lot of, cultures as a shield, and a shield with different images on it that reflected the values of that family code. And I want to say that you can use a shield or anything else you want. And so I gave them a couple of examples. I said it could be a shield, or it could be a flower, or it could be a fountain. It could be whatever you want that really illustrates those eight values. And then they each went off and did their own. And it was wonderful when they came back together. And, oh, one of the daughters came up and she whispered to her dad. She said, can I do two? She had two ideas. And he said, sure, go for it, do two. And so I gave them time to each come up with their pictures. And it was wonderful. When we came back together, the uh, father had come forward and he uh, had a shield. And it was wonderful because he really saw himself in a sense as the protector of his family. And the shield meant a lot to him. And he put eight different uh, components of the shield where he had pictures of each of the uh, eight words having to do with the the values that the family held. And he focused more on the words and the qualities of them in different colors. And then the mother showed hers. And hers was a beautiful flower. And she used uh, the family's core value, like the one that really was seen as a foundational piece that the other ones came out of as the watering can, watering the flower, nurturing it, and then having it go up the stem of the flower. And then she said it exploded open and all the other values got to be expressed and each of the petals on the flower was one of those values. And it was beautiful and colorful and the girls were beaming and they loved it. And, you know, the husband really said, oh, that's our, the beginning of our garden. It was wonderful. And then the, the daughter that wanted to do two was uh, really fun, and she was in a watery place that day. So the first one was a squid. She said, it's an octopus, but it only has six legs because I wanted the really the two most important values to me of trust and love to be in the body. And then uh, the legs, the six legs, were the other 
six uh, values of that family held dear. And it was beautiful and fun and had a big smile and colorful. And then the other one she did was of a little fish that uh, has a family's core value on the body of the fish. And then it blew bubbles. And each of the bubbles had one of the values written in it. And they got bigger and bigger as they went up. And that was really just so playful and fun. And everybody loved that one. And then the other daughter was really, she was very thoughtful. She made a shield, and hers was three-dimensional. She actually uh, took time to find material to make the outside of the shield three-dimensional. It really mattered to her that it had uh, shape and substance to it. And in each of the sections, she didn't just put the words, but she, she had wonderful images that to her really expressed them. And uh, one that really mattered to her was, uh, I think it was teamwork. And she had two hands reaching for each other, and they were different colors. And it was really beautiful in terms of looking at that as a family's perspective and in the community's perspective, too. And everybody loved all of these. I said, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to choose one that you like the best? And they said, no, we love them all. And I, I recommended that they look at uh, putting these up all over the house. And immediately the youngest daughter got tape and started finding places in the house to put them. And it was so fun because the rest of the day when we would go into different parts of the house, you know, whether you went to the bathroom or you had to go upstairs to get something, there were these little like, oh, there's one, and oh, there's one. And they're like right there front and center to keep those values present and allow the family to connect in with what really mattered most to them. And I said, you know, when you find that you're not seeing them anymore because they're gotten used to being in those places, take one and put it somewhere new so that it stays fresh and alive for you. And they really drew on their their spirit. They they opened up their heart. They allowed themselves to trust each other enough to come forward with what mattered to them. There was a lot of safety to have that. And it was really powerful to witness. And this happened as a result of the mother in that family taking on a leadership role and saying, I want to be proactive and conscious about how this infusion of financial gifts can really support our family and being the strongest it can be as we move forward. I don't want my children to just be entitled and not participating. I want them to really know and be resilient and know their true worth lies within and not how much money is in the bank account. And you know, I want us to be solid as a couple when, when we might have a really big difference in how much each of us brings to the marriage by dollars and cents, but where we can join in with each other really in what matters most to us and our values and in our family and how to have a strong family. And that's why they invested their time and money and resources um, to have the retreat. And it was it was such a powerful thing to witness. And she was a transformative leader in her family in that moment by drawing on that. And it was a risk, you know. You have two kids, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want a stranger coming into this class. And why would it be different than everybody else? And, you know, you have to face resistance when you come forward as a leader many times and say, I'm gonna, we're going to do this even though maybe it's not comfortable or pleasant. And maybe because just because of that reason, it's important to us to do this. And when Gail, Sylvia, and I were talking about this show and I asked her about this uh, broadcast on a global discussion on women's spirituality and transformative leadership, she spoke to me about uh, this whole concept of how we lead in our giving, in our businesses, in our communities, and in our families. It always comes back to our connectivity, to our faith, and our values. And she really wondered, you know, where else do women get to have conversations about what drives their leadership along with freedom to speak about their spirituality and their faith. And she saw that it was time to have these conversations. She was at a luncheon that she happened to co-host for Women Moving Millions, and she found that this was a thread that ran through a lot of the conversations she had, and she saw how hungry and eager the women there were to have this conversation and how much it mattered to them. And so she said, we're doing this. And Gail Silvio is a woman of action, so when she says she's going to do something, she does it. And it got created really quickly. And a lot of women said, yep, we're going to do this. 
And we have some amazing leaders that are going to be on this show and women from all over the world that are going to be contributing to it. And we're going to be really exploring this experience of grace and where grace meets power and when women spiritual spiritual beings and faith as leaders can come forward and really make a difference in the world. And we're not going to deny a huge aspect of ourselves anymore because that's what's created a lot of this mess that we're in, in the financial world and in the economies and just in how we're treating the planet. And, you know, we're in a real scarcity mentality right now and it's time to really tap into abundance in a very different way. And, you know, what is the reason why we lead? Why is it that we do take time to be on boards, to uh, have a philanthropic foundation, to uh, be a CEO of a company, to to step in and run a family's business when a, a family's got, a member has gotten sick and can't do it anymore. Why do we do these things? And who can we connect to around why we do these things? It doesn't have to be silent. It doesn't have to be in the background. And it certainly doesn't have to be disconnected anymore. We don't have to compartmentalize our lives. We can really cross through and have our emotional selves and our strength from that place come forward and our spiritual selves and our healthy physical selves and our strong, smart intellectual selves all be present at the boardroom table. And it's probably the most powerful thing we can do. And we want to make sure that our listeners know how they can tap into this for themselves. And one way is through uh, this book, this anthology, that uh, the um, editor and author and founding member of Women of Spirit and Faith, Kathy Shafe, helped to write and edit, is Women's Spirituality and Transformative Leadership. And then uh, we also want to recommend a couple of other books One is The Architecture of All Abundance by Lynetra Carroll, who has been a guest host on this show and is, uh, I would say, one of uh, my most respected uh, spiritual mentors in the whole arena of business and family and leadership. And The Architecture of All Abundance really speaks to a thread of spirituality through whatever aspect of life you're in. And uh, she has some archive shows on Soviet Global Media as well. And she's definitely worth knowing. <laughs> she's an amazing woman. And uh, it was interesting because she did a show on our wealth psychology time slot when we couldn't do it. And oh, it was wonderful that she stepped in. And the show was so deep and so profound that it needed to go into its own slot and safe. And that it really opened up the whole conversation of faith on Sylvia Global in a different way. And it it moved a lot of listeners very, very deeply. And so we want to make sure that that's part of the larger conversation that we're having. Because when we have a crisis of faith, when we don't have a strong connection to our spiritual lives and our spiritual selves and to what's bigger and better out there, we will have really strong deficits in our emotional lives as well. Life can start to lose meaning. It can feel pretty hopeless. There can be a sense of despair. And being able to bring forward the lives makes a huge difference. And so I want to repeat our evocative question to our listeners. Where does your spiritual life interface with your leadership? Whether you're a philanthropist, a mother, a daughter, a CEO, or all of those things, how are you coming forward as a leader in those roles and how does your spiritual life, how do your values inform how you move in the world? And our inspiring invitation is to take a moment and get quiet and still and listen and see what is speaking to you. And our useful tool is this event that's happening today at 1 o'clock Pacific time, a global discussion on women's spirituality and transformative leadership. Call in at 215 347 6138 and join in the conversation. And if you can't be there, get the book Women's Spirituality and Transformative Leadership and connect that way. And you can also get The Architecture of All Abundance. And I also love Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, another wonderful book about our vulnerability and our values and speaking from that place. 
Thank you so much for listening to this hour of Wealth Psychology with Emily Bouchard from Wealth Psychology uh, and the Emotional Impact of Wealth at Wealth Legacy Group. You can find us at wealthlegacygroup.net and like us on Facebook and learn more about how you can tap into your spiritual self. Have a great day. This program has been made possible by Weatherby Asset Management. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest. Weatherby Asset Management is dedicated to providing exceptional wealth management services by forming partnerships built on trust, understanding, and thoughtful advice. For more than 20 years, they've been offering objective perspective, personalized planning, and sophisticated investment management to individual investors and families, as well as pension plans, foundations, and endowments. Contact them at www.weatherby.com. Weatherby Asset Management, located in San Francisco and New York City.